available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. We have actual Pac-12 football to talk about. David's all smiles here this morning. I, I don't know why. You know, I even played the intro straight because, you know, it was all about, uh, you know, making sure that new listeners who want to, you know, bask in the joy of uh, maybe an ascendant UCLA can really just take it in and understand what we're doing here. Yeah. If, if everyone thinks that this is an L.A. centric podcast, you're not going to like our power rankings this week. Oh, baby. No. Yeah. But uh, we, there's a lot to get to. Obviously, it was a, a disaster weekend for the Pac-12 North. Uh, huge win for the Bruins in the South. We're going to get all that. We're going to pick our games. We got the survivor pool that I am already out of. The, the The creator of the pool and myself are out of it. So David's the only one left of the. Hey, I, the, I, I mentioned on the show that you maybe you guys were being a little bit too clever trying to go with Washington State in week one. Like a three touchdown favorites, probably not. 17 points. 17. That's still, that's a lot. More than two touchdowns is usually is fairly it, Is it safe. 38 points? Because that's what I went with. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, if you want to get a hold of us, and we got a lot of questions again this week, Pac12Podcast at gmail.com. You can call or text us. 424-532-0678 is the number. Tweet us at Pac12Podcast. You can go to the website, Pac12Podcast.com. Find all the old episodes, all of our picks, the power rankings, all that stuff. There's a lot of data. A lot of data putting into every one of those blog posts we put up there this week. Not just the show. Now, David has nothing to do with that, but I do all that stuff. I wouldn't say I have nothing to do with it. You can see all our picks. Uh, you can see everything. And uh, check it out. Go to reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions if you want to chat with other Pac-12 football fans. More importantly, though, and this has been very popular lately, if you're on the Apple Podcasting app, any of your devices, you got to follow the podcast of champions. But more importantly, give us a five-star rating, some sort of cool review, some sort of like crushing review that we just... Just like just crush us. We got some of those this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the five star is important because if you do and you're our favorite review of the week, you get a hundred dollar gift card from our friends over at Jockey. So we bribe you to leaving and you know what? It works. And and honestly, I would say the the of the reviews we've gotten, I think we've given the hundred dollars each week to the most vile review against us. <laughs> which true. is really on brand for our show. Yeah. Uh, um we have five new ones. Are you ready for them? Yeah, let's do it. All right, this is from Scooter McGavin. I already like the username. Five-star review. Uh, a desperate plea. As I sat at home putting the final touches on my fair and unbiased two-star review of the Podcast of Champions, I was startled by a loud crash. Two men in black jockey TM masks smashed through the window and hit me across the head with a champagne bottle, knocking me unconscious. When I came to, my wife and kids were missing. My TV was playing Disney princess movies, and a note was left next to my computer. Five stars, and you can see your family again. I rushed to my computer to correct my grave mistake. May this review serve as a warning to all POC listeners and be a plea to our overlords to please return my family. Ryan and Dave, I will never betray you again. Five stars. 
early I mean, early contender in a big way. Yes. For for the Do uh, we want to read the rest? <laughs> I, I think we have to, but um it's gonna be hard to beat. Okay. This is from Ricky Holton, five star. I don't want the gift card. Just wanted to say Washington lost to FCS Montana and just wanted to say O and twelve. O and twelve. Yeah. That's actually a contender even just because Trash talk. I love it. I do love the trash talk. There's going to be a lot of Washington trash talk this week, I, I assume. Oh, I assume so. Yeah. There's going to be com- some coming from me, too. Um, D. Monk, uh, the podcast of dot, 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 champions? Do Ryan and Dave provide good, sight into the pac- good insight into the Pac-12 football-, football world? No. But is it exciting and fun to listen to? Also, no. <laughs> this podcast is basically the audio equivalent of watching the Washington Huskies offense. Pretty good. Love it. I mean... This is from Ute Fan Chad, a podcast pity party. I initially wanted to rate the podcast of champions with only one star. Ryan Abraham does zero research and records every episode buzzed from mimosas. And David Wood's voice and analysis makes me want to floss my poop-stained butt crack with barbed wire. Wow. Uh, But I had a change of heart and gave the podcast a five-star rating when I put together that Ryan has nothing else to live for, and this is the only hopeful thing David looks forward to while he works his day job as a cashier at the Disney store. To be fair... These guys remind me of the two old guys in the balcony from the Muppets. That makes me happy, so I'll keep listening. Go Utes. That's the second time we've gotten that. The Muppets? Yeah, the Muppets analogy. Yeah, that one's just a little like, you know, you have that uncle that's like kind of funny sometimes, but says a little too much this sometimes. This was the uncle. Yeah, it's, it's, that's, the, uh, it's, it's, it's your uncle. It's your uncle Steve. Yeah, yeah, there was a little, little much there, but that's okay. Yeah, you it's know. fine. Yeah. We, we respect it. Yeah. All right, this is from Jazz App, a Pac-12-iest podcast. Uh, just like the Pac-12 preseason football, you tune in expecting a B-minus show with the focus on the pack, but you never really know what you'll get. It might be UCLA upsetting LSU, or it might be the podcast equivalent of Dylan Morris leading his team to defeat against an FCS opponent at home to open the season. Would you even call that game Power 5 football? I don't know, but sometimes <laughs> I wouldn't call the show a football podcast. Any given episode might be fun or it might be pathetic, but even when they don't ask Pac-12, but even when they don't talk Pac-12 football, it still feels like the Pac-12. And just like Pac-12 football, I'll never stop tuning in. Webfoot via my wife's Apple account. Nice. Web that one was thing. also good. Um, I do like it. A desperate plea is the winner, though. It's like it's no question shooters about it. Just yeah. Whenever you start, whenever you really keep to an alternate reality throughout the entire <laughs> review, that's really going to be pretty elevated. Like yes. when we had the whole thread of Zodiac Killer um, reviews for a while there, that was really good. If we were handing out jockey gift cards, we probably would have handed out one at that point. Hmm. But Shooter McGavin. Yeah, we're going to have a reference to that Zodiac Killer stuff in our voicemail <laughs> later on. Uh, but yeah, Shooter, congrats, email. Um, if you want to just email me directly, it's easier because then I'll get it faster. Ryan at USCfootball.com. You want to do that because I'm the one that does this. I have to like go into David's account to like send it to myself so I could email your... I no, mean, no, no, no. You should like, continue to send it to uh, Pac12Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. I'll read it but not do anything with it. And then Ryan will have to go back through the already read email to find it again. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta buy more stamps, by the way, because I'm sending out gift cards like crazy. And you think, you know, oh, okay. last... are you asking me to, as the office uh, manager here, to uh, order some stamps? I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm just saying, like last week, I bring mimosas. By the way, you like that was the one time I did mimosas, and yeah, I was a little buzz. Mimosas and donuts. You think David this week would like? Eh, I, I picked up some donuts on the way. Or here's a bagel or something. Uh, no, hell no. Should have probably could have, <laughs> probably could have. But I had to get coffee this morning. Yeah, I could have, I could have gotten the. The donut shop well, coffee. I, sure. But I didn't. I went to a Starbucks and it took like 15 minutes. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, so. Whatever. You dropping kids off at school, Ryan? I am not. <laughs> I was painting. Uh, uh, I have uh, furniture on my little deck. Oh, and okay. I've, just, I've never done. I'm not like a big do. I'm trying to do, do it yourself stuff because YouTube helps. 
uh, like old furniture that's a little rusty and stuff, like sanded it, scraped it, and I did my like spray painting today. They let me buy the spray paint. Like you figure I could be tagging or something. But. I just want everyone to know it is nine fifteen in the morning, and Ryan is talking about having already done a do-it-yourself project. I at did. Home. I pay. I yeah. I'm trying to you know fix up my deck. You know what? You know what Ryan's doing right after we record. The reason we're having to fit this in, he's also delivering Meals on Wheels. I, I mean, I am doing that. Yeah. Yeah. No, you should be ashamed out there. I'm ashamed, <laughs> but you should also be ashamed if you're listening to this. Well, thank you. Yes, I love the Meals on Wheels people, but you know, it might be a little late because we have a lot of questions and stuff. So I guess yeah, we no, should probably so, yeah, some jump right some in. Some poor old people are gonna. I feel miss bad. Their lunch. My old lady. Some of them they just like the. It's sad. Like sometimes, like it's like a highlight of their week. Is like, yeah, I bet. Can you imagine the highlight of your week being seeing me? Like that's. I mean, I can because it is. (laughs) All right. Uh, So let's see. We'll get into some of the newsy stuff first. Um, So John Wilner uh, wrote. He said, according to the Associated Press, the Pac-12 became the first Power Five conference to lose six games on the opening weekend since the SEC in 2016. What's more, the six losses to unranked opponents were the second most in any week for a Power 5 league since 2000, with only the Big Ten having more, seven in 2018. Can I can I offer just a little bit of insight here? Sure. Do you know who won the national championship in 2017? Uh, Ohio State. Alabama. Baby. Alabama, okay. Ohio State, no, Ohio State was like 12. In January of 2017. Okay. So what I'm saying there is, go Bruins. Oh, that maybe, that's a, I like that. That it could just be the rest of the conference was crap, but... That's all I'm saying. UCLA's that's, good. That's all I'm saying, baby. So are you still mad at Bruce Feldman for saying that he said that UCLA's I, I, back? I actually don't know what you're talking about. I've always <laughs> supported Bruce Feldman. Um, I've always been a big Chip Kelly supporter. I think yes. uh, the Bruins have always been on the right track under Chip Kelly. Um, I think it totally makes sense uh, why Bruce keeps including UCLA defenders, like two or three of them in his annual freaks list. I think it's it's totally justifiable. And frankly, I kind of find it disturbing that you are trying to rewrite the record of mm. our discussions about this. That's funny. Uh, well, it's dude. When I said, told everyone, like, I thought Chip Kelly was a good hire. You know, I, f- I felt he was going to do good things. It just took a few years. That's it just, all. It just, it just, took, took a- just took three entire years and a massive rule change in college football for any of it to work. <laughs> but it did. Here it is. Uh, okay, so we got that. The latest AP poll, uh, Oregon dropped a spot there, number 12, after a lackluster win over uh, Fresno State, fourth quarter comeback. USC moved up a spot to 14 um, after beating San Jose State. UCLA, uh, they weren't ranked. Did you know that they weren't ranked week one? I, I was aware, yeah. Oh, but mm-hmm. they are now, 16, uh, jumping up uh, nine spots. Not high enough. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they, they got one more. Out of conference game. Could Chip Kelly go from 0 and 6 to 3 and 0 out of conference? That'd be pretty special. If he went 15 and 0 this year, he'd be 25 and 21 at UCLA. Yeah, that'd be so above 500. That's good. <laughs> uh, Utah's up three spots at number 21. Uh, Arizona State's up a couple spots at number 23. And uh, I don't know if you, I think this is a little harsh. I mean, you just get one loss and you drop Washington out just, of the just, poll. Just one loss. And we have no idea how good Montana is. Right. They could be a, a, an FCS title contender this year. You know, I'm not an expert in like some of these schools, but like you look at like, I knew Nevada like had a good offensive, pretty crappy defense. And like, you see the game, you're like, it, I still think that's the case. Or like Utah State, a lot of people were saying like one of the worst FBS schools around. You know, Montana's not even like an upper echelon, like FCS school. Like, it's not like you were playing Appalachian State that they were like, this is an amazing program for that level. Like, these teams are like bad for their level. Montana's okay. Montana's okay. Yeah. Um, they're they're an okay FCS. Like okay. Yeah. And the Utah State had that whole fiasco. Like they, I think they hired a good coach, but you didn't think they'd be. 
good by now, you know, like, holy cow. Uh, yeah, we'll get into it when we do the power rankings, but yeah, bad week. Uh, <laughs> bad week, Pac-12. Bad week of the Pac-12. Let's see. We have the uh, Pac-12 players of the week. I'll go through this fairly quickly. Zach Charbonnet for UCLA running back. Offensive player of the week. You cool with that? Totally. Uh, he's a freak. Yeah. Devin Lloyd, uh, Utah linebacker. He had 12 tackles in the win over Weber. Uh, fine. I don't know. I'm he doesn't play for UCLA, so I can't see why he would have won. Right. Oh, um, God. People are people are going to be so mad at me. Why? Because UCLA is good, and I'm going to be just a complete, just <laughs> annoying But you've person. had years of, like, just lamenting in their demise and so like this is like you're kind of making up for some yeah, loss i'm time. just it'll be this show and then i'll then i'll calm it down i promise i think maybe because usc and UCLA have been bad and we're the la people that are running the show and we get to talk about oregon and washington all that stuff we talk about the north a lot and all that you know now that if like those are the two best teams people will stop listening because they're like i don't want to hear la guys like, yeah, yeah, no, but totally. remember all those years when they were terrible and we tell you we told you they were terrible yeah so just remember i even uh, told you they were going to be terrible this year yeah <laughs> and he covers the team uh special teams dj taylor from arizona state uh he had 87 punt return yards 55 kickoff return yards 142 overall okay cool with that uh alec anderson from ucla the offensive tackle he got the offensive lineman with that center though the transfer right isn't he a stud for ucla center oh he, paul gratton the guard Oh, is he a guard? Okay. I yeah, he, he transferred center. in before last year. He was probably the best lineman for me in that game. Um, but Alec Anderson was really good, too. Uh, I think you could have given it to any of three guys on UCLA's offensive line in that game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. And defensive line, uh, DJ Davidson from Arizona State. Uh, stuffed the stat sheet, stat sheet during a dominant season debut, helping the Sun Devils to the 41-14 win over uh, Southern Utah. So he had... Um, six tackles, two for loss, and a fumble recovery. So, congrats to him. The freshman was Justin Flo up at Oregon. So they got, they squeaked out that win, but he had fourteen tackles for the freshman. So, not bad. So cool stuff from our Pac-12 offices. They sent that over to me. So thank you guys for that. Uh, Survivor pool. Um, let's see. We got. I'll give you the. So there was 283 entrants. So thanks, everyone, for doing that. Um, most people pick Colorado, where you had. Uh, Arizona State, USC, Utah, Oregon, and UCLA were the other picks. But 169 people took Colorado. And all the rest of them were like single digits, except Arizona State at 11. The losers, which I was included, Washington State, 61 people had Washington State. So just a huge crushing. But some people had Cal, Stanford, Stanford. Five people picked Stanford to beat Kansas State, like on the road. Like, what are you thinking about? Four people picked Oregon State to win at people, Purdue. People getting too clever, I think. That's a little clever. Like you're you're picking teams that aren't favored. Yeah. Like on the road, uh, Washington. Now, I would argue. I mean, should be safe. There was no line in that game, right? But like, that's one you probably want to save. But obviously, didn't work. Not, out. That wouldn't work. And then Arizona. Two people picked Arizona. You're zero and twelve. And you're going to pick it. Okay. They were uh, more competitive than Washington was against they Montana. They were. So Matthew was eliminated. He picked Washington State as well. So we will put up the uh, Google Doc for your picks um, again. So thanks uh, all for that. Uh, as far as our picks go, uh, week one, David went six and five. I went four and seven. 
Uh, so overall, David seven and five. I'm five and seven because uh, we were one and zero oh in uh, week zero. I was like four and one, and then just everything like the, everything. Yeah, basically your last one right was it? Uh, it was USC San Jose State, right? Right. Yeah. And then it was bad. from then it was just bad, and then, and they were covering like the teams were. Oh yeah, no, and San Jose State like people. Are well, go- San Jose State, was and good we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but that game, if you just saw the score, you're like, oh, thirty to seven. It was thirteen to seven, and then they threw like an egregious pick six. Yes. that was not like defensive cause. It was just the quarterback wasn't very good. They, it was thirteen to seven, and they were driving. Yeah, it was. Uh, no, that was going in the fourth quarter. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that one, like, I was like, you know what? Probably not that. I didn't think that was going to cover, but like Oregon State, like scored the first. You know, uh-huh. they're they're like an underdog, and they scored the first well, touchdown. And then Purdue scored that like kind of junk time. They scored a junk time, like so. It's like all those games at the end were like flipped like they looked like they should have been covers and weren't but obviously that worked out for you um not so much for me but that's that's pac-12 football you know like it's pac-12 football uh, and then all obviously like the just the disaster of the pac-12 north was uh, absolutely insane so why don't we get into our pac-12 roundup and uh, we're going to do our power rankings in reverse order. There's a pretty big switch. You know, there was a team that was up <laughs> fairly near the top. I think finished last season as the number one team in our power rankings. Sometimes you you get in the elevator and you press the down button. And sometimes you get in the elevator and somebody cuts the cord and you go all the way to the bottom. Washington Huskies. <laughs> number oh. 12, baby. Uh, woof. <laughs> Holy woof. Uh. Washington, hey, you know what? They started off this game very good. They scored a touchdown very first in that first quarter. Possession it of was the great. 2021. It was going to be off to the races at that point. The, the mm. announcers were talking about this great offense, whole thing. They didn't score another point. Um, mm. I don't know. Did they get another first down after that? Um, they didn't drive <laughs> inside the Montana 25-yard line for the rest <laughs> right. of the game. Um. Washington what? looked uh, that that offense looks so bad under John Donovan. He should be fired He's immediately. Awful. Immediately, their offensive line run the ball, baby. Their offensive line was talked about as one of the best units in Pac-12. They gave up, I think, three sacks. Uh, couldn't run the ball at all. Um, they looked terrible, absolutely terrible. Dylan Morris threw three picks. He was under fire. Um, Montana, you know, whatever. They're an FCS school. They should have beaten them by three touchdowns at least. Um, they looked fine, uh, but Washington, holy crap, man. That offense, um, it, we made fun of the Washington offense the last like three or four years. Uh, they look so much worse now uh, than they did two years ago, three years ago in the last waning days of the Chris Peterson era. Uh, they have a lot to figure out. This is a really, really bad sign for Jimmy Lake's tenure up there. Uh, you don't Good programs don't really lose games like this, especially when you – it's not as if it was like a non-continuity hire. This was somebody within the Peterson program mm-hmm. who was hired. Uh, they should not be losing games like this ever. There were people picking Washington to, like, win the – you know, go to the playoff. I think Phil Steele's, I, like, surprise team was the Washington Huskies. I thought they were going to be, like, a I think a nine-win team. I th- Yeah, I thought ten or something. Like, yeah. I thought they'd win a lot of games. Um. They still can. I mean, the good thing is, no, it's like, I'm gonna. No, they can't. You don't lose <laughs> games like this and then compete for conference titles. You just don't. Like that teams. That would be very Pac-12 of them. Well, though. but like finding finding a school. I, I mean, if you guys want to do the research out there, I'm certainly not going to. But like, find the schools that have lost bad games to FCS opponents and then won an actual conference title. It's 
yeah, it's, it's probably Wilner did some research on this as far as like like a ranked team losing to I think it was a ranked team losing to an FCS school. And it's not just like the losing. There's been some big ones and there's been bigger spreads probably. I know this. we didn't uh, pick this one because the spread was off. But um, to score only seven points, he said historically, I think the only time that was close was like, a, I forget what year it was, Cincinnati. Yeah. But it was, Cincinnati was division, like FBS, dropped to FCS for like one year and then was back. So they were like a very temporary, like that's, so this has never happened where you play a ranked team plays an FCS school and you only score one touchdown. Yeah, um, it's it could be the most anemic offensive performance in like the yeah. history of college football. Uh, our man Shane on Twitter, I saw him post this um, that uh, it was basically the exact same offensive stats as when Washington scored seven points against two thousand and one Miami the like literal best team in college football history. Yeah. Uh, they scored seven points had 292 yards of offense and 22 first downs, which that, they just the did against like, FCS Montana. Yeah. That team had like 15 <laughs> right. NFL, like hall of famers right. on it. You just shit. don't do this against an FCS team. If you're good. Okay. Well, I can't believe we talked about this much, but it's just so shocking. Uh, I mean, it, no, this one is, I, I mean, this is like a, such a bad bellwether for not only Washington, but potentially for the league this year. Yeah. If they're that bad, what does that tell us about the rest of the league? Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll see. So, but you know, the good thing about the Pac-12 is where like it's like you're paired off. You have pairs. So, so if your partner like if like uh, you know Arizona's down, maybe Arizona State's going to look better. So, you know, if Washington's having a bad year, maybe Washington State can. Uh, well, here are number eleven team, Washington State Cougars. <laughs> and they get the meow for the rest of the year. They definitely get the meow. Um, <laughs> So they had actually a pretty big fourth quarter lead here. Um, they uh, were up, I think, entering the fourth quarter. They were up twenty to eleven, which is just a great score. This was this game was uh, six to five, five to three, I think, at one there point. Some, yeah, crazy. There were some good baseball scores in this first half. Mm. Uh, Washington State's offense looked awful, absolutely terrible um, against Utah State. Uh, and then they allowed 15 points in the fourth quarter to uh, to lose the game, 26 to 23 to Utah State. As Ryan went over, uh, expected to be a bad team this year. Um, yes. and they did this at home. Um, I'll I'll, I'll say it. Uh, Nick Rolovich should be fired because mm. you already have cause, I think, or nearly cause, if he doesn't get himself vaccinated in the next week. Um, and uh, this is basically cause itself. Um, losing to Utah State at home in your opener. I would agree. It was 15 to three in the fourth quarter, just an absolute collapse. Um, trying to figure out what's going on in the quarterback situation. Uh, I mean, I don't know if Tennessee transfers should work in the Pac 12. Definitely don't play them if you have one. Yeah. If you have a Tennessee transfer, just keep him in bubble wrap. There's a couple throughout the conference, right? Yeah, like, don't, do not play. This is a, Good piece of advice, not just for the Pac-12, but like throughout college football. Do not play your Tennessee transfer, especially if he's a quarterback. Uh, yeah, this is uh, you know, there's just a Tennessee's like a cursed program. You don't want their people. No, you don't want any people. Yeah, any Tennessee people. Yeah, I'm especially down on Tennessee for whatever reason. But uh, <laughs> all right, uh, Cougs, uh, you cooged it big time, and yeah, I agree, David. Like, uh, it's it's just how many like. How many games does Nick Rolovich have left? That's the only question because they should fire him from I mean, the it, from the governor of the state down to the the biggest fans. Nobody wants Rolovich there now. Absolutely not. No. 
Uh, okay, so let's see our number ten team, and I think we were we got this one uh, pretty well, right? Stanford Cardinal. Real tree falling in a forest. Honestly, after this game in the morning, I was like, "There's no way Stanford won't be twelfth in our power rankings." And then Washington and Washington <laughs> State did their thing. Uh, Stanford looked terrible, absolutely awful. If they got a little better, I think they would have been terrible. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, I was amazed actually that they scored in this game. They should not have scored. It was twenty-four nothing. Um, right? Yeah. They, so just let me give you the rushing stats before I even get into David Shaw's absolutely insane decisions at quarterback. Uh, they ran the ball. 22 times for 39 yards. Just let that sink in. Like, this is Stanford. There's no Bryce Love there. Oh, my God. Austin Jones is not bad. And holy crap, guys. Um, but then the quarterback situation. Okay, so you have Jack West and you have Tanner McKee. We've seen a decent amount of Jack West in four years now. That is not a Power 5 quarterback. Mm. That's probably not a D1 quarterback. He should not be playing. And that's not – I'm not trying to, like, knock Jack West. He's just not that level. Um, and if you're David Sean, you haven't realized that that's on you, dude. And it's one thing if he's maybe your number two, because your depth chart sucks. He started the game and David Shaw kept inserting him into the game. <laughs> he was bad. He was bad from the jump and he continued to be bad throughout. And the thing is, I don't think Tanner McKee is any great shakes, but he was so obviously superior to Jack West. Yeah. So I obviously. You tweeted the one time, like, West is terrible. And then he completed like his best pass. Of the I game. know. Like, yeah. No, like, I, everybody. I am a motivator at heart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the thing is, like, McKee, uh, he, he looked okay. He looked like he's a playable and eventually maybe good down the road. Um, it just does not make sense. And the thing is, you got to give Kansas State some credit. That's a well-coached team, well-coached offense. Um, they were making Stanford look a little bit silly in some areas. Um, but Stanford is terrible. That defense, once again, looks terrible. And that offense is not going to save them this year. They still have their usual assortment of big you know, somewhat slow receivers making like incredible catches downfield. And that was like their one saving grace in this game. Other than that, this team looks so bad. They look way worse than the team two years ago that went four and eight. Yeah. Uh, I think we both got this right. We both predicted Stanford's demise and you probably wouldn't be even a little more demisable. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. They had that awesome, I think it was in the first drive, first Kansas State drive, they're driving, and there was an amazing interception, like in the, I think it was in the end zone, maybe. Yeah, think like, about how incredible that individual play had to be to stop that drive. Yes. Uh, and it still ended up being 24 nothing. Um, there was a stat that was going around, I think RJ was retweeting about, like, Stanford was down the entire game and still was, like, using the entire play clock and trying to basically shorten the game. Uh, they, you know, it was 24, nothing. And the Cardinals snapped the ball with four seconds left on the play clock after a touchdown. And then they scored when they scored a touchdown, didn't attempt a two point conversion. So 24, nothing. If you do the math three times, eight works out. So I, it's almost like, and I, I talked to RJ Abadia is like helping us out with coverage at USC. And I was funny. I was talking to him yesterday and, and it's just like David Shaw comes in with a plan to like. We're going to win this game 21-17. And if the other team gets more than 21 points, they still change. We're still trying to get to 21. Like it's It doesn't matter. Like and, that's, and that's maybe the biggest thing that stands out when you look at the stat line. If you're just like a total yards person, you're not really going to get what this game was. Kansas State blew them out. 
And if Stanford had not been trying to control the pace in a truly insane way, it would have been 48-7 or 48-14 yeah. or something like that. Here's what Kansas State's stat line was, 344 total yards. And you're like, oh, that's no big deal. They did that on 45 plays. <laughs> they had 45 plays. They were averaging like eight yards a play. There was an interception in the end zone in part of that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just Stanford's defense was awful in this game. And it kind of gets masked because of the pace of play stuff. But they were awful. And, this, and the offense was no better. Yeah. They look terrible. They could struggle to win two games this year. I think you just made me switch my pick for week two because so. <laughs> it's it, it it is bad. It was like oh my god, but the people who were like oh Stanford's coming back. It's hard sometimes to predict when Stanford's going to be to replay again, but uh, they are to replay. So okay, let's go to our number nine team, Oregon State Beavers. This is one of those you got the pick right and I got it wrong. The Beavers killing me. They yeah. should have covered this. If you watch, it should have covered this. It was unlucky. Um, so, and that's the thing I think generally for Oregon State in this one, this is where we finally get out of the like everyone looked terrible. Like Stanford, Washington, Washington State looked terrible. Oregon State looked, I don't know, about what I expected. Yeah. Um, quarterback I think is still a big question mark for them. You know, Sam Neuer started the game, didn't look good. Uh, Chance Nolan played. Ty John Lindsay actually threw the best pass of the game. Um, and then running the ball, uh, Jebby might be hurt, right? Like I don't know. I they, think he might be hurt because yeah. he didn't play at all. Yeah. Um, so, and then running ball weren't great. Um, just offensively, it was, it was kind of a, um, a, you know, a poor game, but defensively they held it together pretty well. I liked that Jeff Brom offense for Purdue and Oregon state held them to 13, held them to 16 through three quarters. Um, kind of opened up a little bit at the end, but they stopped the run pretty well. Um, and then allowed essentially a, you know, last few minutes touchdown. Um, otherwise it was going to be a very close game where Oregon state covered, but I, I'm not. I'm not down on Oregon State after that game. They played about what I expected them to play. They still made some stupid mistakes. Um, you know, that that wide open touchdown at the end uh is just like and they also went for it on fourth down, like, you know, and it was like a pat like a play action pass down the field on fourth down on like their own thirty seven or something, which I'm fine with doing it, but it just seemed like a real low percentage. Like they went for it on fourth down, but they tried to get it all instead of like picking up the first down, but just, you know, complete bust in coverage and, uh, you know, a wide open touchdown at the end. Um, so Nolan over Noir, I don't know, but the defense I thought looked better. Um, you know, we'll see that, uh, they tried to throw it to touch on Lindsay. Nolan tried to on that, um, downfield pass, but that sort of was like, ugh. but they got the, you know, the early touchdown and just, it looked like a feisty kind of team. I think the defense is going to be better. But just some mistakes, just some things that are just like you could have won this game, you know. Yeah, they well, and that's but that's a, also a positive takeaway. They could have won this game. Yeah, they weren't non-competitive the way Stanford was. They weren't non-competitive. They weren't. They weren't embarrassingly bad the way Washington State and Washington were. Yeah, maybe the biggest surprise our number eight team, Arizona Wildcats. Thirteen game losing streak, moving up five spots <laughs> well and that's the thing is you set the bar really low washington schools and stanford um and arizona was competitive you know i think despite if you watch this game what was obvious to me was just uh, essentially the walk-on level talent that jed fish has to work with at arizona like including at quarterback gunner cruz threw for a ton of yards um but he made some decisions that were just like when they were when it was late in the game and they were driving and he threw that ball into uh the back end of the end zone for a pick um, just completely sailed on him, but also just a bad decision. Just yeah. 
you know, you don't need to be doing that. This game is close enough that you don't need to be making shots like that. Um, and he'll learn a little bit, um, but I don't think he's like a top flight power five talent. Um, but Arizona looked competitive. I thought defensively they looked competitive. Like they were um, holding their own without real talent um, across that defense. Uh, I think Don Brown's done a pretty good job there already. Um, and offensively, I mean, again, Gunnar Cruz, I don't think he's an all world talent, but 45 attempts for 336 yards, it's not bad. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, Jed Fish is going to win some games there. Um, you know, BYU won this game by eight, 24 to 16. Um, but Arizona looked competitive. Um, he was making good decisions. I think they went for it on how many fourth downs? 14. No, I don't know. There they, was... went, they, they went for it and got it on three fourth downs. Um, and I thought it was good, aggressive moves every time. Um, yeah. I mean, if I was an Arizona fan after watching that, I'd be maybe not completely sold, but I'd be much more optimistic than I was going into the season. I think this is, you know, it's hard to talk about an eight point loss as like a great thing, but I think it's a little bit of proof of concept, especially if you acknowledge how down the talent is in that program, even relative to Arizona's typical level of talent. Yeah. I would say this is another one where you got it right. It was a 12 and a half point spread. Um, it was 21 to three. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, feeling pretty comfortable about this. Even though Arizona looked kind of feisty. But then it was 21 to 5. 70, can't discount a safety, baby. 72 seconds later. And the Arizona punted and people were like, it was like fourth and long. And Arizona punted. And people were like, uh, I think even the announcer was like questioning the decision. But end up pinning him in, get the safety, score a touchdown. 72 seconds later, it's 21 13. Um, you know, Arizona did miss a couple field goals in this game. Uh, you know, they had four trips in the red zone and, uh, failed to score a touchdown. So there was, a, it was closer. I mean, it was, there were some chances here for Arizona and I think you can feel more optimism for Arizona going forward, but the way the game was going, they shouldn't have covered and then they did. So yep. again, again, I feel like I got screwed on this one, but of course, oh, you, whatever. Of course you do. Nothing could ever just be your fault. It has to be somebody else. It was 21 fault. to three. Mm -hmm. It was like, okay, okay. that looks okay. good. Uh, all right. Now we're getting to the, we should be by now. We should be getting some of the teams that did well, right? Like, uh -huh. we, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Right. Our number seven team, California golden bears. Did they do well? I'd like to retroactively move them below Arizona. Cause I just talked myself into Arizona and now I'm like, Cal looked like dog doo doo. Yeah. I don't well. know. Anyway, uh, Nevada beat Cal uh, at Cal, 22 to 17. Uh, Cal, sort of like Washington, jumped out to a big lead, 14 to nothing. Felt like it was going to be a runaway. Yeah. Um, and then they didn't score more points until the fourth quarter. Mm. And in the meantime, uh, Nevada scored all of their 22 in the middle of the game. Um, yeah, Cal offensively, Chase Garbers, I don't think... Um, uh, could throw the ball more than like 10 yards downfield. Um, just a lot of dink and dunk. Uh, their offense, much like Washington's, looks terrible. Um, mm. Just bad, bad offense. Uh, they at least ran the ball pretty well. Uh, Damian Moore looked pretty good running the ball. Um, but Chase Garbers uh, did not look like the Superman that we have uh, come to know and love. Um, threw a pick. Also just didn't complete any kind of dangerous passes to threaten the defense. Um, and defensively, not great. Um, Nevada got a lot of yards through the air. Um, and, uh, that was, uh, kind of enough for them. Um, yeah, just, uh, a, a, a poor showing from Cal. And that again, makes me kind of reevaluate my entire, you know, sense of the PAC 12 North. 
Yeah. Uh, wow. So Chase Garbers, who's my guy. Yeah, your dude. I like my guy. Uh, not so good. Um, he threw the ball 25 times. Mm-hmm. Four of them were more than 10 yards away. So, like, okay, that doesn't seem very good, right? No, like, that's just not. Um, but know, I, I would blame. I mean, I, I think that's a lot of the scheme. I mean, I would, he's an experienced quarterback. Usually you see that from, like, inexperienced guys. I'm guessing the scheme is just bad. Yeah. So, in the uh, final three quarters of the game, Cal averaged a single point. So mm. every 50, a point every 15 minutes. Mm. So if you're like a a backup center is on the soccer? basketball team. Is this soccer? <laughs> like, is that is it that football? Because <laughs> no, like, if you're averaging a goal every, <laughs> that's every 15 minutes, that's really good. Yes. Um, no, it's more like the backup center who averages, you know, he scores three and a half points a game, <laughs> two rebounds. Like, that's what Cal was doing. Like, what? Not good. No, Cal, come on, dude. Nevada's Nevada has a, a a pretty good offense, and you know Cal's defense did okay against. It wasn't like they went crazy and scored fifty points. But I came into the game thinking Nevada's defense was bad. I left the game thinking Nevada's defense was bad, and Cal still couldn't do anything. Like right. that's a problem. Like it's not like you. It's not like these games are like wow. We just thought that defense was going to be terrible, and they're amazing. Like no, they're still bad. Like Nevada's going to give up a lot of points. But yeah. Cal's didn't score a lot of points. So, Ugh. okay. Uh, now we're going to the top half. At least these teams won games. Uh, so, number six. Colorado Buffalo. Yeah, Colorado won its game, and that's important for me because they were my pick in the suicide That's poll. true, yeah. Uh, we both picked Northern Colorado against the spread just because it was a whole ton of points. 38 points. Um, this was more or less, I would say, like typical for a team kind of starting the season slow. Um, no score in the first half, in the first quarter. Um, Northern Colorado, shockingly, does have uh, one uh, Power 5 player that I know about, which is Dylan McCaffrey playing quarterback for them. So I think that was a factor. He actually looked decent enough. Um, but Colorado... Um, they got it together, and defensively, I thought they were very good. Um, didn't allow Northern Colorado to run the ball at all um, and harassed McCaffrey most of the game. So uh, it was never really in doubt, even when Colorado's offense was sort of struggling to get going. Jarek Broussard looked a little slow at the beginning of the game. He got it together uh, over the course of the game. Uh, Brendan Lewis, uh, I don't know, uh, didn't didn't light it up, didn't set the world on fire at all. Um, but, you know, obviously, it's first real game uh, this season. And also, I mean, he's only played a little bit last year. So we'll wait and see on that one. Uh, he certainly ran the ball pretty well, um, but throwing the ball was a little bit more of an adventure. Um, but overall, I mean, they did what they needed to do. They won 35 to seven, um, more or less shut Northern Colorado out. They were shut out in the first half. Allowed him one touchdown in the third quarter. Um, did everything they needed to do. Nothing really else to comment on. I would say, sorry, I was trying to like, do some administrative stuff on the site because you know i have to do all those things mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. while we're going on there oh and i will say this nate landman looks fully recovered he does look recovered um do you remember this guy uh cassidy woods mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he scored a touchdown yep northern colorado uh for, he transferred from washington state yeah he was in the news for something else i don't remember what it was are you being facetious yes yes uh he sues <laughs> he's suing <laughs> Nick Rolovich, so it's just piling on, basically. 
And he scores a touchdown in this game. So. Yeah, maybe he should have, you know, been allowed to stay at Washington State uh, uh, without his coach harassing him. Maybe. The, the issue, and it's funny, I had, I uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I listened to Andy Staples, and he had one of the Ralphie Handlers on in the offseason. Uh, and she's like a track, I think she was like a track athlete or whatever. And, they, you know, they talked about what you do. But Ralphie 6 is out, and all the Ralphies are female because the, the males get kind of crazy. But she was so small. Like, I mean, she was like 500 pounds or something. But did you see baby Ralphie? It looked like baby Ralphie. No, I'm not a big uh, – you're, you're more of a Ralphie guy than I am. I am a big Ralphie guy. Um, so there was a, it looked like a baby Ralphie. So Ralphie's going to get bigger, but uh, it's, a, it's a, young, a younger Ralphie. Um, but she ran out there well. There used some fullbacks in this game. Did you see fullbacks? I saw some fullbacks. I saw some fullbacks. So yeah, that's what I picked. That's what I took away from that one. That's all that needs to be taken yeah. away from that one. Okay, our number five team. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, sort of the same deal as the Colorado game. Was it pretty? No. Did they do what they needed to do against an FCS school? Sure. I mean, it wasn't. I don't know. Like, uh, this is uh, this is why these two teams are still top half. Is that? Yeah, I mean, they won by twenty seven, and they were favored to win by what forty two. Yeah, it was like a. And remember what our rule was for Herm Edwards teams? They only win by one score. Yeah. To Just, cover forty two. Yeah, there's no way. We we nailed this one. I think. I think we did. Um. Yeah. So I mean, they looked fine. Uh, they looked balanced, running the ball, throwing the ball. Uh, Jaden Daniels was not asked to do much of anything, and he did um a little bit more than that. Uh, Rashad White, train them. They looked good. Um, and defensively, shut down the run as they should against a team like this. And um, you know, they weren't able to get much through the air. So, not a whole lot to comment on. Um, ASU looked the part of uh what they should be, and um, not the blowout maybe they could have put on them, but it was not competitive. No, ten penalties in the first half. Yeah, it was sloppy. But that's opening season. So this is a a overarching note. I was expecting this season to be like, because all these teams were returning so much experience that it would be like super clean, um, you know, everyone just kind of executing at a very high level. And aside from a few spots here and there, no, absolutely not. Um, and this game was really a slop fest. And Arizona State's been a pretty good team penalty wise. And yeah, they were awful in this one. Terrible penalty wise. So, uh, yeah, it didn't look like it. This looked like I mean, this was an like. I don't know. It's not even NFL because you can't have these kind of blowouts. But I mean, Herm had no interest in like piling it on. Like he was just like, okay, we're going to win this game. And then, you know, we yeah, cruise in, pump and, the brakes and yeah. Yeah. Put it on we don't need Jane Daniels to do too much and just kind of move on from there, which, which is fine. But that's why that, that spread just seemed ridiculous. So, uh, feel good about that one. Right, let's go to our, that was a 45 point spread. Like, holy cow. Like who took that? <laughs> um, all right. Our number, Four team Utah Utes. Yeah, so this was another one where we got a little bit screwed because Weber State scored uh, very late. What was it? It was uh, yeah. They scored their final touchdown with two minutes and forty three seconds to go um, to make it uh, 40. 47. Yeah, it was forty to ten. Forty. So we were covering, and then we were covering, and then it was just kind of junk time, and uh, Utah disappointed us. Um, so Utah won 40-17. Again, the same sort of deal. Um, they did kind of what they're supposed to do. And Weber State actually is a very good FCS program. Um, so it's not embarrassing to be, you know, and not struggling, I wouldn't say. I mean, it was 19-7 to at the half. But certainly, um, you know, not having a, a super easy blowout time. Um, Utah quarterbacking, 
I, I don't think you got any like great answers about Charlie Brewer in this one, but he was fine. It was 19 to 27, a couple touchdowns. He was know. fine. Yeah. Um, against FCS opponent, you'd like maybe a little bit more, but he was fine. Um, Tavion Thomas, though, looks really good running the ball. He's great. Wait, he was a Cincinnati transfer. I think so, yeah. They had, like, you got an Oklahoma transfer. There was like another SEC transfer or something. And yeah. like the Cincinnati transfer is the one that like emerges. Yeah. And he had some, he had some good angry runs. Um, and then defensively, uh, again, as, as most of these teams did that actually took care of business, they shut down the run against an FCS school. And if you can do that, they're not going to do a whole lot against you offensively. Um, so overall, pretty good. And then Utah had a very bad special teams play in this one, which is, I think, a worrying sign. Uh, they gave up. Um, uh, wasn't it? It was a touchdown, right? It, yeah. So here's the, the beginning of the game. So when when you have a big spread mm-hmm. and you're watching it and you care because we care, not that we put money on it, but because we make picks and we want to care about I it. I did put money on all my picks this week. Oh, did you? Yeah. I, I do a little thing where I put like a $5 bet on like Bovada for each game that I pick. Oh, nice. Yeah. I should do that. It's kind of fun. It makes it a little bit more interesting. I would. It's already interesting. I don't even put any money on it, but yeah. I would do that. Um. So then you're kind of watching like, then you know, like, okay, that, that opening drive that turns into a field goal instead of a touchdown, like dropping a pass in the end zone, which Utah did. And you're like, oh, it's three nothing. It should be seven nothing. Right. Then you kick off and the FCS school that you're playing, who has an amazing kick returner, by the way, who's got like six career, returns it for a touchdown. Then lightning hits in the area. And so now the score is stuck at seven to three and you have to sit for an hour, like knowing that you're losing to Weber state for like, you know, more than 60 minutes of real time. Um, at that point, you're like, yeah, this game isn't going to be a cover. And so, but Utah was able to come back and then actually cover the game, but then give up a garbage. Like this was like, sort of like a terrible luck throughout the whole thing. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. Um, but yes, yeah, that's basically what happened. So there's a lightning delay. Uh, it looked nasty down there for that one this was a was this a friday night one or was this the th- i forget which one this was Thur- this might have been the thursday one yeah this was thursday yeah um but you know like you said thomas was legit they got a bunch of transfer guys but i think this is they're probably the most intriguing team to me because i feel like i th- i know usc like who knows like their talent but whatever but like ucla we thought was going to be better probably better than i that i thought they were going to be and certainly than you uh, but Utah, like I felt like was going to be really good, and I don't know, but I the signs are pointing towards they could be really good. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. They're intriguing. They're an intriguing one to me. Um, all right, number three, Oregon Ducks. We drop them down a couple spots. Yeah, and uh, this might be um, a little bit of an overreaction because Fresno State might be really good. Um, it's hard to know. Uh, they blew out UConn in week one, 45 to nothing, but UConn's terrible. Um, and then they were very competitive in this game and we're dinging Oregon a little bit for that. Um, but again, Fresno state might end up being pretty good. Um, Oregon, I guess uh, the thing for me was that they just, they continued to look non, um, non-explosive offensively, continued to look just kind of like a little bit of a, Sort of like Washington looked in years past, not this year. Washington's terrible this year, but um, sort of like their offense where it's just like 
such a struggle to get their four or five yards. Like such a, yeah. they got to do have so many moving parts to get their four. Or Everything's got to work correctly, right? And then uh, you end up with five yards, right? Know? And uh, it's like Stanfordy, you know. Like, and it's tough because we've only got one opponent to gauge it on, and Fresno State might be pretty good. Again I think this they're going to be pretty good. Yeah. So it's, DeBoer's it, like a good coach. They got the court, the transfer from Washington at quarterback. Like they, I mean, they, I think they're going to be a legit. They looked team. really well coached. Like yeah. what Fresno State was doing offensively, defensively, they looked like a really well put together team. Um, and they've got. They like Fresno State always does. They've got the sprinkled in Power Five talent throughout the roster. Um, you know they had Elijah Gates, who was a UCLA player, Alex Akingbalu, who was a UCLA player, Jack, Jake Hayner, who was a Washington player, all playing yeah. meaningful roles for them. Um, so it's not as if you're playing again the FCS opponents that so many in the Pac-12 played and, and struggled with this week. So all of that said, um, Oregon wasn't super impressive to me. Um, Anthony Brown, I think. When he knew exactly where he was going with the ball, he looked fine, like just delivering it. Um, but when it was, you know, a little bit shaken up in the pocket or anything like that, decision making got a little bit worse. Um, decisions that he was making either to run the ball or throw the ball got a little bit worse. Um, and then defensively, I, I, I don't really know how Jake Hayner looked at Washington, but Oregon made him look pretty good in this game. <laughs> he did look good. Um, this was this was weird too. The beginning of the game. Uh, Fresno State turns it over twice. Oregon punches it in twice. It's 14 nothing. And you're like, wow, oh, uh, we're going to cover city here. This is going to be, you know, is a, it was a 20.5. It was under three touchdowns. You're like, all right, this is looking pretty good. Uh, nope. And it just was, it was like struggle bus for after that. And you're just like, you're wondering, like, Oregon's more talented. And you just felt like there was like this sort of USC quality of squandering talent. And maybe like you said, like the Stanford quality of, the goal trying to get to like third and four or third and three. Um, so there's something just wasn't, it didn't feel right. And, you know, when Kayvon Thibodeau went down, he, he was playing great, you know, for him to get rolled up on by his own teammate, you know, and that's a, that's a huge blow. Uh, but they still got a lot of talent all over that defense. The Anthony Brown thing, it just didn't like, he had that 30 yard run for a touchdown or whatever on fourth and two that like saved the game for Oregon. But yeah, throwing the ball, I just wasn't that impressed. And it's funny, I kind of kept this in the back of my head. I think I was listening to like Pete Thamel, and he was talking, he's he's close with Urban Meyer. And like Urban Meyer told him a story, like he was up there checking out, I think when he was at BC mm -hmm. and checked, and it was like, this kid's like, and he compared him to some, you know, amazing spread quarterbacks or whatever. Like that he's like the talent to and he was a pretty pedestrian quarterback when he was at BC, but he, Thamel said Urban Meyer saw something in him that was just like special. And I was like, you know what? Year two here, he's going to be the guy. I felt like he might have this huge breakout year. And I didn't say that yet, but that's what I felt. But game one, I'm not like encouraged that that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, he was fine, but I didn't see anything that was like, yeah, otherworldly. Like he's going to just set the world on fire. And again, First games can be weird, um, and especially I think Fresno State if they're deceptively, you know, way better than a lot of people are expecting. Because when you beat any team by forty-five points, any FBS school, that's a sign. Um, and then playing competitively against Oregon, Oregon might turn out to be pretty good. And then Fresno State, you know, they've got UCLA in a couple of weeks, and we'll see. I think we'll have a much better gauge after they've played three games how good Fresno State is. Yeah, and I feel like as far as opponents go, like these top three teams, I think we feel like the opponents were all pretty good, you know, yeah, they're all decent. levels. Yeah. And the bottom of the conference, I don't think they lost to good teams. They, they lost didn't. to bad teams. Yeah. Nevada might be like a good 500 ish team this year, but that's yeah. about the best of the bunch. Yeah. 
So I that you give you know give Oregon a little bit of a break because we think Fresno State can be pretty good. Uh, I'm curious about this one, number two, USC Trojans. I think uh, I think San Jose State can be pretty good, defending Mountain West champions. But USC looked kind of USC. Yeah, like, this and that was maybe the biggest note I had from this one is this looked like a million games from Clay Helton over yes. the last couple of years. Just uh, so defense. So let's start with a positive. Defensively, I thought they looked pretty good. I think they're going to be legit. Like yeah. I like what Todd Orlando's doing. He's going to be. Good. I, I think people are getting a little bit overboard on that. Like I think they looked pretty good. I don't think they looked incredible and San Jose State was able to get some yardage against that defense it was not as if they were like completely shutting them out it's just they were able to create timely turnovers and make it so that they couldn't actually punch it in but they were moving the ball okay at different points yeah um uh but offensively um USC once again I so they finished with what was it 160 yards rushing that was not a good rushing performance I, I thought they they should have been able to do so much more against that defense um, San Jose State does not have the size to be basically, you know, shutting them down and then Keontae Ingram gets a nice little run. It was so much more of a struggle than it needed to be. Yeah. Um, and this game, as we talked about in the lead up, it was 13 to seven. Um, I think entering the fourth quarter, yeah. um, San Jose State ball, um, they had, you know, more or less shut USC out in the third quarter. They had the ball ready to drive, and then Nick Starkle throws just an egregious pick six like just greg johnson just stepped right in front of it and ran it in which yeah one of the more exciting plays and like when i'm at a college football game and you're watching like pick sixes are pretty exciting yes they I are like them. yeah they are very it was cool exciting. to be in the stadium to see a pick six like i like that like i um i remember like watching usc stanford like andrew luck threw one i think it to like i forget who it was uh it might have been uh roby coleman or whatever but the, the whole place goes bananas, you know. It was like it's it's cool. They, US Stanford ended up coming back and winning that game. But when that happens in the stadium, it is pretty fun. It's like oh, a, absolutely. it's like a triple or something in baseball. It's like pretty exciting. Yeah. And uh the other big note, uh Drake London's really good. Yeah. He got half the team's targets. Yeah. And uh if I was San Jose State, I think the thing I would have been focused on was covering him. Um <laughs> they put they put them in man on Drake London way too much. Yeah, they had a lot like, of man. They should have had they should have had him bracketed most of the game. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, there's, there's talent in this USC receiving core, but it really is Drake London. Like he's your guy and just, you know, safety over the top all the time. And it didn't seem like they were doing that. Yeah. I think the USC defense is going to be good. Um, I liked it. You know, the way they play, uh, the special teams should have been better. They were below average. You know, there was just some, you know, hidden yard stuff, but the offense was bad. Six drives in the middle. You know, they, they scored the beginning, Six drives in the middle, uh, you know, like they did, you know, they, they didn't get points uh, or they got a field goal or in there or something. Um, you know, that the first three trips in the red zone couldn't punch it in. They just, it just looked like you just had a great player that would make an amazing play. Like the, you know, Taj Washington making that great catch in the end zone. It wasn't like you got to the 20 and then you like got a first down and then you got to the five and then you punched it in. Like there's no, they have real problems when they got to the red zone. They could move the ball between the twenties a little bit better, but just the offense just looks kind of clunky, and it doesn't really have any rhyme or rhythm to it. So I think that's going to there's talent, and there's going to be games like when they came against Washington State last year and score a whole bunch of points in the first quarter and then kind of go away. We saw that again, where they score a bunch and then they go away, and then they scored a bunch at the end. And really, until the pick six, like they weren't moving the ball on offense much either. So 
So we'll see what's going on there. And then number one team, UCLA Bruins. <laughs> Have we ever had them number one? I don't think so. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, because they never won an outer conference game. Yeah. Yeah. And we wouldn't have ever risen, you know, brought them up that high. I think the highest they've been is like three or four. Yeah. Uh, UCLA uh, beat <laughs> LSU 38-27. All right. So caveat up front. We have no idea how good LSU is. They might be. They might be as bad as they were last year. We, we know, know they have talent, though. We know they have a ton of talent. Yeah. Absolute ton of talent. They are top five in the uh, 247 talent composite. But I also know watching this game, they are very poorly coached. Uh, mm-hmm. that defensive staff, um, uh, you know, I know it's a new coordinator and new assistants. They should all be fired <laughs> right after that game. Uh, the linebacker play in this one was so bad, uh, from LSU, uh, Chip Kelly put on a, I would say he put on a masterclass because he did, but also I think it was very easy to confuse that defensive staff and what they had taught the linebackers. Um, they, so, all right, UCLA, um, this was another game where it was kind of a first quarter of just feeling each other out and struggling a little bit. Um, UCLA, uh, as against Washington, or as against uh, Hawaii in week one, uh, John Gaines, the center, was snapping it wild. Um, just, you know, there was one that went 20 yards behind uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and he calmly picked it up and threw it to the line of scrimmage. Uh, but there were snaps that were just off, and the timing was just off on the offense, um, partly because of that, partly I think Dorian took a, a little bit to get um, himself settled. Uh, but after the first quarter, this was truly all UCLA, and it's kind of hidden by the final score. But there were a lot of luck factors that played into LSU even keeping it close. Uh, there were three fumbles in this game by LSU. They recovered all of them. If you know anything about turnovers luck, right. That's that like shouldn't a coin happen. Flip. Yeah. And two of those were quarterback fumbles, which even more regularly are picked up by the defense. Um, you know, when those backfield fumbles happen, because it's often the quarterback getting stripped with nobody around him. Um, but in each of those instances, the ball fell forward and the offensive line jumped on it. Uh, UCLA should have recovered at least one or two of those. They allowed a touchdown late where it was sort of junk time, um, and it was 38-20 at that point. Edo did the very stupid thing and kicked the PAT at that point instead of going for two. That was weird, yeah. Um, but this was uh, just a, uh, uh, a really, really um, good win for UCLA, obviously the best win under Chip Kelly. They ran the ball incredibly well all game. Zach Charbonnet looks like an NFL player. Uh, Britton Brown uh, runs so angry. Like, he runs with hate in his heart. Uh, what he <laughs> did to uh, – he he delivered a, a hit to – it was actually, if you look at the play, it was in, like, late first quarter, two safeties, like, basically bookending him, and he delivers a hit that knocks both of them down. Uh, one falls down to the right. The other one kind of takes a knee to his left, and he still gets another couple of yards before um, I think it was some linebackers and defensive linemen caught up to him. Uh, he's not as explosive as Zach Charbonnet, and he's not going to get the national plaudits, but um, that guy late was able to really put it away um, and just ice the game. Greg Dulcich and Kyle Phillips both put some incredible moves on um, some LSU defensive backs. Um and UCLA defensively was able to really, really disrupt Max Johnson. They shut down LSU's run game completely. LSU yeah, they had, couldn't run at all. LSU had one rushing yard at halftime. One. Jeez. Um, and uh, for LSU's receiving game, I mean, obviously, Booty was going to get his stuff. Um, and UCLA's corner, that was one major advantage LSU had was their receivers against UCLA's corners. But they mitigated that by just bringing a ton of pressure and putting Johnson um, kind of under duress all game. So he was even inaccurate when he wasn't. Um, um, you know, completely pressured. Yeah. No, I've, I mean, 
I was really impressed, especially in the second half when, you know, UCLA's got the lead. And you feel like UCLA's the better team. But this is the, always the situations where the more talented team comes back and makes a big play. They had some weird plays where, like, the referee sort of, like, screened off the UCLA defensive Oh, he, back. Put, he put an incredible block on Jay Shaw. Yeah. <laughs> and you end up scoring a touchdown. And, like, there was opportunities for LSU to come back into the game, which, like you mentioned, there was some luck factor involved, too. But UCLA always responded, and they went back, and they and they didn't do it by, like, mixing it up. They're like, we're going to still run the ball and still pound it down your throat and and just inflict their will. And I felt like they were able to bounce back with that. And then they would get a stop, too, and still score. Like, UCLA was like, just it was, they were not going to be denied in the second half that way. And uh, I just was really impressed. I think we both talked about, like, even though if you weren't, like, going to predict that they were going to be good um, – that things seem to be on the right trajectory where the defense looked more like, okay, they have an identity. Like they know what they're doing. The offense is going to be running the football. And, um, you know, and it just felt like this was a team going the right direction. We haven't seen Dorian Thompson Robinson, like have to throw the ball. And maybe that's going to be an issue at some point, but if they're on schedule and you know, they're going to have a lead on teams, I think it'd be really tough to overtake this Bruin team this year. If, if UCLA gets a lead, if they can control fourth quarters like this, um, where they went uh, to start the fourth quarter, eight plays, 73 yards, three minutes and 39 seconds, touchdown. Uh, eight plays, 81 yards, four, four minutes and 34 seconds, touchdown. And then to close the game, eight plays, 18 yards, uh, four minutes and eight seconds. Yeah. If they can do that in fourth quarters, if they're that um, if they're that physically ready, you know, because teams break down at the end of games and the end of seasons, if they are able to kind of maintain that force of will at the end of games, against a team with this kind of level of talent, then that's obviously a very good sign for UCLA. Yeah, they're going to be a good closing team. So, uh, yeah, you don't, want to get, you don't want to get down early to these Bruins because then you're just – I mean, they can Stanford you basically, like right? They yeah, there's a it. little bit of that to them. Um, with, with, when you got Charbonnet and Britton Brown, um, that's two starter-level running backs. Okay, man, we have already – so let's do our picks. We'll try to do this, you know, previews and stuff fairly quickly because um, we still have a lot of questions and everything to get to. Uh, all right, so what I have in order of appearance, let's go to Oregon Ducks. They're going to be on the road at Ohio State. All right, so this is at 9 a.m. on Big Fox on Saturday, uh, number 12, Oregon, at number 3, Ohio State. Ohio State's a 14.5-point favorite, and that's a really interesting commentary to me because I don't think Ohio State looked very good in the opener. No. Uh, they beat Minnesota on the road, forty-five to thirty-one. Obviously, they still look a little explosive offensively, um, but Oregon—I mean, you gotta hope they're better than Minnesota. Um, and I think there was an element where they were not um, uh, maybe looking ahead a little bit, but also maybe the coaching staff has some wrinkles up their sleeves for Ohio State. I'm going to take Oregon. Yeah. I'm going to take Oregon. Uh, I think they, they still lose this game, but I don't think it's going to be... 14 and a half tells me the odds makers are thinking this is going to be non-competitive, and I think it'll be competitive. I do, too. Um, I'm going to take Oregon as well. Uh, I think Minnesota's actually going to be a pretty good team. That's why I feel bad. Like, Colorado's got to go play Minnesota as well, and uh, I don't know if that's going to go so well for the the Buffs because um, they got Texas A&M this week we'll talk mm-hmm. about, too, but holy cow. Uh, yeah, I... I think Ohio State's going to win. I don't think it's going to be a blowout kind of situation. And if you know Thibodeau's out, you know maybe the defense rallies around them. Yeah, I, I feel like this would be a situation where Oregon's got enough talent to hang with Ohio State. I mean, that's 
I could see a blowout, but I I think it's more likely it's like a you know 10, 13 point game, something like that, and uh, you know Ohio State wins. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number two. I mean, the next team up we have California Golden Bears. <laughs> All right, this one is on at 12.30 p.m. on ESPNU. Uh, California traveling to TCU. Uh, TCU is an 11.5-point favorite. Uh, they beat the absolute P out of, I believe, Duquesne. Duquesne, in, not in basketball. Yeah, in week one. Uh, the team shortened the second half. I don't know what that means. Uh, but they beat them 44-3. to Um I, I don't know anything about TCU. Let's see what they did last year. Uh, they went uh, six and four last year. Uh, they lost to such luminaries as West Virginia, Oklahoma, Kansas State, and Iowa State. So they lost to mostly good teams. Um, and they also took care of business against the bad teams, um, beating several of them pretty good. Uh, Cal might be bad. Give me TCU. All right. We'll differ on this one. Uh, I'm going to have a little faith in the sturdy golden bear. Going, All right, uh, down I, there. I respect you. I respect it, your faith and uh, and uh, commitment to the Pac-12. Trying to keep it close. Uh, yeah, I think uh, we'll see. Getting eleven and a half points. That's they are the sturdy Golden Bear. They're not the they're not the you know flimsy Golden Bear. No, very sturdy. Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Cal on this one and, and give me some points. They, last week, I think if you took the points in every the eleven games we picked, you would have gone eight and three. <laughs> <laughs> like if take of the points like was was good like yeah, yeah. USC favorite cover like there wasn't that many but there was a couple okay uh, next up this is gonna be, I think it's gonna be a cut, tough stretch for these guys Colorado Buffalo all right this is another twelve thirty game on Big Fox so you can get a Big Fox morning going you got Oregon Iowa State and then this one at twelve thirty number five. Texas A&M traveling to the great state of Colorado, not to um, Boulder, though. They're traveling to Denver. Yeah. Uh, so technically a neutral site game. But Closer to the airport. It'll be a favorable Colorado crowd. Um, so Texas A&M is favored by 17 points. This might have gotten lost for some of you if you are true, just pure Pac-12 aficionados. Texas A&M had an elite season last year. Uh, they went 9-1. and one. Uh, Talked about as probably the, I don't know, second best really team in, in the SEC yeah. last year. Um, their only loss was to Alabama. Uh, they looked really, really good all year. Um, tricky one for me. 17 points is a lot of points. Um, Colorado's defense, I thought, looked decent in week one. It's hard to know, though. Um, and Texas A&M absolutely could put a pasting on them. I just I don't have a good feel for it. I don't have a good feel for um, how good Texas A&M is actually going to be this year. Um, and Carl Durrell, my man. He's been pretty good in in, uh, in non-conference games throughout his career. Um, I think he gets teams up for it at the beginning of the year. So I'll take those points. I'll take Colorado. Uh, but it's a very, very tight call for me. It is for me, too. I think I looked at some of the analytics, and uh, it actually only had like Colorado as like a 10-point dog or something. But I, my gut is saying like Colorado is not going to be good. Texas A&M is elite. This isn't LSU, and Colorado is not UCLA. So I'm taking Texas A&M. I'm going to lay those points, and uh, we'll see. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna know some things after uh, after about four o'clock about whether or not your uh, your run of defeat is going to continue. Right. Uh, my yes, no. I think your reign of terror is over. <laughs> okay, so we'll we we'll differ on that one too. So next up, uh, we have Washington State Cougars. <laughs> 
All right, I'm not showing a line on this one yet, so let me look and see if there's another one available because I really want a line on this one because I would really love to pick it. Okay. Uh, Washington State. Give me one. Yeah, I had no line also, but... Um, yeah, I've got no line. Okay, um, so we can't pick this one, but... Disappointing. All right, so uh, Portland State is traveling to Washington State at 3 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. Portland State uh, lost to Hawaii last week. Um, Washington State lost to Utah State last week. Um, I think Washington State wins. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Yeah, I same same thing. So if there was... If I was going to get like 17 or 21 Oh, yeah. Points, if you were giving me 17 or 21, I would take Portland State. Yeah, 100%. I think it's a two-touchdown game. I don't game. even know what Portland State is, but I would take them. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, this should be an interesting one. Next up. Washington Huskies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interesting's a word. Uh, this is going to be on at 5 p.m. on ABC. Washington traveling to Michigan. Michigan is favored by seven. Give me Michigan. Um. So here's what you're not thinking of. Uh-huh. No, yeah, take give me Michigan. <laughs> um, Michigan. I had it six and a half, but I'll, seven's fine. I don't care. I honestly, I would take Michigan twenty-one. <laughs> I would take Michigan minus twenty-one. <laughs> Although Michigan screws up a lot, too. I don't care. Washington looks so bad. Yeah, yeah, they're bad. Uh, and and Michigan, they went forty-seven fourteen over Western Michigan. Right. Which is Western Michigan any worse than Montana? Any better no, than better, Montana? Better. Yeah, for so, sure. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Travel? Yeah, Washington, you're done. It's going to be a bad game. Sorry, guys. Yeah, this is... I don't know what this line is, but it's not right. Uh, okay, next up. Arizona Wildcats. <laughs> All right, this is on at 7 p.m. Pac-12 Network. This is a big, big, big game for Arizona. Um, this is one of uh, a few opportunities this year for like a win where they should get a win or potentially could get a win. San Diego State traveling to Arizona. This is a down San Diego State team. Um, this is not. They struggled with New Mexico. Yeah, last this week. is not your uh, your grandfather's uh, San Diego State. Uh, Arizona's a two point favorite at home over San Diego State. Um, I'm going to take Arizona because I'm a believer after uh, after the BYU game, and not because of like how well they played or whatever. That team seems committed. They seem like energized by the Fish era, and against a much worse team, which I think San Diego State is. Um, I think they can get the win, especially yeah. at home. I think they're going to have a nice home crowd. I know Jed Fish has been like just hammering it on Twitter uh, to try to get fans out to these games. Um, they get a nice home crowd, get a nice home win. Yeah, I think they got a little momentum at the end of that game, and I feel like playing at home against – if it was a good San Diego State team, which I don't think they are, uh, I might consider it. But, uh, you know, it's tough to pick a team giving points, and they've lost their last 13 games, but – here we are. We're doing it. Here we are. We are. We are. We are. We are fish this, heads. This is the Pac-12, and uh, that's what we're doing. Okay, big game. We got Utah Utes. Seven fifteen on ESPN. Uh, number twenty-one Utah traveling to BYU. Utah's a seven-point favorite. Uh, Utah's history in this series has been basically just monumental beatdowns of BYU on the regular, um, or somewhat close games, but somewhat just, just kind of dominating this series. Yeah. Um, BYU, uh, as much as I say Arizona looked good in that game, I don't think BYU is very good this year. I don't um, think so either. They lost a lot. They're yeah. like one of the rare teams that lost a lot. Yeah, and I think Utah sort of figured some things out through the course of their game um, against Weber State, and I think Weber State actually was a decent enough test. Uh, so I'm going to take Utah, uh, minus seven. Uh, I think they're going to win this game pretty handily, 10 to 14 points. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, I just think I think Utah is going to be – a fairly elite team. I don't think BYU is that good. Um, I think this is going to be like a 
you know, 17, 21 point kind of game or something at the end. And they, they hate each other. So this is not like, you know, if they're up by like four, they're still going to try to score at the end. Absolutely. You know? So, um, okay. Uh, next up we got USC Trojans. And they're going to be hosting Stanford Cardinal. First well, conference game. Yeah, and another Big Fox game. So you could just keep it tuned in to Big Fox most of the game, but uh, most of the day. Uh, 7.30, Stanford traveling to number 14, USC on Big Fox. USC is favored by 17 points, which in any other year, I would be like, oh, I'm taking those points. 100%. I'm, I'm taking those because Stanford, this game's always been weird. It always gets weird. There's always something weird that happens. But Stanford looks terrible. They're I don't. I don't know if they're capable of weird this year. Like I don't know if they're capable of controlling a game in like their weird, awful Stanford way that the way they have in the past. That being said, Kansas State blew them out and only won by seventeen. Yeah, um, Stanford was able to just kind of slow it down and make it awful. They're going to try to give you eight possessions instead of fourteen. Right, and the thing is, and is USC Stan- could be inefficient. And that's the question: Is Stanford's defense so bad that USC? will score enough to cover these 17 in that period of time. And my answer is a tentative yes. Okay. So you're going to take USC. I'll take USC minus 17. I will do the same. I don't feel great about it. No, it's just, it's, it's almost a hair too many points for me. I wish this was 14. Because if you look at it, it's like, okay, Stanford's not going to give you that many opportunities. USC goes stretches where like they went six stretch, you know, six drives in a row where they did nothing. If it's a bad luck game for USC or a badly called game or whatever, if it's just too much Clay Helton involved, they could win this one by 10. Yeah. I don't think there's a scenario where Stanford wins this game. I, I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, I don't know. But they, they look they look terrible. They would have to so turn bad. completely around. And it's great that Tanner McKee is going to start and stuff, but I mean, they're just, yeah. But the problem is Stanford plays to keep it close. Like they're not playing to win a lot of times. They're just playing to like, so that's what you have to overcome that. Or it's like, we're not trying to win, but we just, we're going to limit the number of, we're going to play to keep this game boring. Yeah. We want you to have 45 offensive plays. Yes. Uh, Which that you don't win because of that. Like you hold a team under 50 offensive plays. You don't get the win. Uh, All right. Next up. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> there's gonna be like four games going on at night, right? Like yeah. all at once. Yeah, and there's uh, two of them will be watchable. This one will not be one of those. Uh, <laughs> Seven thirty on ESPN two. UNLV traveling to number twenty three Arizona State. Uh, just like last week, uh, ASU will be like a oh, they're thirty three and a half point favorite in this one instead of forty two. Um, so first, just a note on Arizona State's schedule. It's so bad. Such a bad schedule. And what UNLV did in week one was lose to Eastern Washington um, at home, which makes their schedule even worse. Um, yeah. So ASU is a 33 and a half point favorite. I'm not going to take them to cover 33 and a half under the same reason I didn't take them to cover 42 against uh, whoever the hell it was they played the first week, Southern Utah. Uh, UNLV is bad. Don't get me wrong, but it's just hard to cover that many points. So I'm going to take UNLV plus three, 33 and a half, and Arizona State's going to win by four touchdowns. Yeah, I I feel the same way. Um, I think last week when the, the spread was 40, what was it? Like? 42, I think. Yeah, and we're like, I don't even think they're going to score that many points. Right. You know? um, now, they'll score more than 33. They'll score but 49, but UNLV's offense looked okay. You know, yeah. I, I feel like this is one of those situations where they'll get up a couple – touchdowns and then they'll just run the ball and yeah this is not a herm edward thing to try to win by no 50 points so they could i mean just if everything the wheels fall off and unlv just basically hands it over 
But if UNLV has any semblance of playing college football, then they're not going to lose by more than 30 in this one. Okay, and then we got one last one. Oregon State Beavers. Yeah, so uh, Hawaii's traveling to Corvallis, 8 p.m. on FS1. Oregon State's an 11-point favorite. Um, So Hawaii looked bad against UCLA, but UCLA might be pretty good. And then they uh, beat Portland State at home by two touchdowns uh, last week, um, and their offense looked quite a bit better than it did against uh, UCLA. So more than likely, Hawaii's offense is going to be better than it looked in that UCLA game. They're going to be okay. Um, And defensively, though, they still look pretty bad against Portland State. I'm a little leery of taking this Oregon State offense to cover 11 points. Um, that's gives me some trepidation, especially if Hawaii's offense is a little bit better. Um, gosh. Would it help if I told you who I pick? Yeah, go. Oregon State. Okay. It doesn't really help. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take... I'm going to take Hawaii to cover. Okay. So we could differ on that one, too. Um, yeah, I just feel like Oregon State's going to bounce back. Last year, I think the first game, Oregon State sort of did me wrong, and then we just did a really good job picking them the rest of the way. They were good at covering. They're just a, I think they're a better team. I think they're going to come home and take care of business against Hawaii. Um, it's a late game. Yeah, I think I think they're going to cover. Yeah. I got a little faith. Yeah. So we'll that's, see. That's probably the one I feel worst about, but I'm going to stick with my pick. Okay. So those are our picks. For week two, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and try to answer your questions in a timely manner. Back in a minute. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. I got about like 30 minutes before I should get out of here. Yep. We got a lot of questions. Let's let's do our voicemail. Sure. Unfortunately, that's going to take about half of the time. But here we go. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Sith Lord Dave. <laughs> that's right. It's me, resident Stanford fan. I've been underground for a while, hiding. Guy blew my cover on the whole Zodiac thing. Anyways, really enjoyed the rendition of All Right Now, Dave. Unfortunately, I had to psychologically manipulate a Cal Poly San Luis Obispo grad to send you a five-star rating and get me to get him to do my bidding. Anyway, here we are, 2021, and once again, the expectations for Coach Shaw and the Cardinal could not be lower. Dave, four and eight, respectably low, 
return to the 2019 injury debacle. I could see it. I could see your your glass half empty approach, but Ryan Abraham two and ten. <laughs> what? What? Feeling pretty Am good, I buddy. Have to burn down Sharkies on the Hermosa Pier <laughs> to show you the full breadth of depth of my power. Oh, that's right. I already did that in like 2008. Anyways, yeah. here's my question. That's true. <laughs> you did not count on how bad the Pac-12 North actually would be, did you? When you made those predictions, you actually thought Oregon State, Washington. You thought there would be some programs that would actually be respected. Cal. And guess what? You way overshot, my friend. So <laughs> when Stanford plays Oregon with a shot with a Pac-12 North title on the line, becomes bowl eligible, oh, not by virtue of being good, but by being the least worst other than Oregon in the division, when they become bowl eligible, which one of you is going to sing, not all right now by the band Free, but the actual 1852 Hale Stanford Hale song. Which one of you? I suggest that it's Ryan and that you grovel for forgiveness. <laughs> Have a good one, boys. Keep it mediocre. Thanks, buddy. That was uh, great. I'm I can't sing, so I wouldn't be doing that. No, you're singing. Uh, yeah, Don't well, worry about it. Don't worry about it because they're not going to be bowl eligible. Fa- <laughs> that ain't happening. <laughs> they are butt. So. Uh, but he's true. That is true. Like the rest of North is butt too. <laughs> so like so they're gonna like win a couple games because both teams are butt. Um, okay, I think let's start like September third. Um, random items. I think there's a couple might be before that. I'm not sure if we did them or not, but I don't know. Okay. Uh, do you want to start there? Or where, where do you feel? We can like? start there. Okay. All right. This is from uh, Michael in Seattle. Hey, Ryan and Dave, last few, last few emails I've sent have been long ones, but I have a couple random questions for you guys. With the roller debacle seemingly unfolding each week with a new bad PR wrinkle, it got me thinking about how ADs and presidents are going to evaluate head coaching hires moving forward. Since there's seemingly more social and political events bleeding over into college football these days, will the Rolo experiment get the hiring teams at schools like Wazoo to consider how their most, pu- their most public-facing employee is going to fit in socially and politically with the donor body, student body, and general public perception? Uh, I think that's a dangerous, I mean, this is like a big thing cause it's like a global pandemic, but if you're going to like not hire someone cause he's basically a Republican and like the, most of their students aren't like, I think you're going to be in some trouble probably. Yeah. I don't, and I, I don't think it can get into like just pure political views. I think the question is, um, whether the views bleed into, um, stuff that's like problematic for their university's mission as a whole, which I think is where the vaccine thing Yes. Where that flips into it, which is like, it's not whether you're, I mean, a lot of football coaches are Republicans. A lot of rich people are Republicans and they kind of, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Um, But uh, that's not the bad part. The bad part is the conspiracy brain. Um, Like he's got the, you know. Yes, yes. He's got broken brain syndrome. And that's the problem that's. The coach's brain's bad enough. The conspiracy brain. Coach brain. All these guys have coach brain. But it's when the conspiracy brain overpowers coach brain. And that's something. Might maybe a little bit harder to evaluate um, yeah. and preemptive, but you can maybe work in some contract language that, like, if you do anything that is grossly embarrassing to the university, that's for cause. Yeah. Um, yeah. They need to f- mitigate that, not have this happen again, where, like, the governor basically doesn't want you to be the football coach and the president yeah, you doesn't can't want have you to that. be a football coach. And, yeah. and, like, uh, to be very clear, Mike Leach didn't even get to that point. No, um, at Washington State, this is a step even beyond that. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a it's a one-off, very interesting and weird situation 
but yeah, I think you got to protect against it. Um, and then one of the many tropes in recruiting is, quote, building the fence around your state, as you know, not letting local talent get recruited elsewhere. I know a lot of Husky fans like to circle jerk around their state's homegrown talent. If only they could keep the guys that actually matter to a program home instead of pumping up a no-name two-star lineman from Puyallup or Renton as the next Lincoln Kennedy or Steve Entman. My question, though, is about which states actually produce highly ranked talent within top five, ten prospects each year, but which never leave the friendly local confines. Um, I mean, there's no state that just all of them go within state. Um, no. But I think if you're looking at the southern states, LSU's program is built largely around Louisiana talent. Georgia's program is built largely around Georgia talent. Florida's program is built largely around Florida talent. Texas program is built largely around Texas talent. And... UCLA and USC built largely around California talent. Yeah, Southern California specifically. But, you know, it's just, do the best ones leave? We're seeing some of the best ones leave California right now. But then um, UCLA, gets, gets, some, some good UCLA gets some of them back. In the transfer you, you portal, baby. The transfer portal you get back. Zach Charbonnet right back. Uh, Arizona, we've seen that a lot, you know, where, like, the best players are leaving. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a mix there. It's not like every Washington prep player is going to stay at, and play for the Huskies, but you, you want to try to get some of those guys that are really good, especially the highly ranked ones. And if you can't, Oregon's done a great job of coming into Southern California and getting some of their best guys. So, yeah. And then he says, finishes. I just got to add this side yeah. note. Last week's pod was fantastic. I would absolutely recommend more alcohol and more surly Ryan and then fuck the Huskies. Nice, Michael. Thank you. Uh, was I surly? I don't know. Uh, maybe just got back from the U uh, Washington, Montana game. This is from William and his, Email just says, kill me. <laughs> so I think he's a Washington fan. Uh, Zodiac Killer, you have an appointment? Yeah, uh, up there. We also got a text message. Dear Pac-12 North, please mail all of your footballs back to the manufacturer. Sincerely, Walter Camp. <laughs> so I like that one, too. All right. And then Frank in Sacramento. Once David stops gloating, talk about former SC quarterback JT Daniels. He stunk for Georgia against Clemson, 22 for 35 of the pick, and no TDs in a crummy 10-3 win. Hey, Frank, let me let you know something. I didn't watch a single minute of a single football game that didn't have the emblem Pac-12 in the upper right-hand corner. I didn't either. Yeah, get uh, the hell out of here. I mean, they did beat Clemson, so I don't know if who you gives, were like... Who gives a crap? I know, but... Top like, five matchup? Who cares? Yeah. We got to watch some Pac-12 North, baby. Yeah. Um, and he said, and he only threw for 135, 135 yards and was super jittery pre-snap. Oh, also, George and Clemson, that was three and a half hours of really bad football. Both teams looked crummy and overrated. Thank you, Frank, for coming around. All right, Frank. George's defense is like legit, though. Whatever. Uh, are week, they, or is Clemson just bad? Yeah, maybe. Uh, week one, not-so-quick take. Uh, preseason suspicion somewhat confirmed. The South is now better than the North. Oregon State is most likely the second-best team, maybe Cal. Jimmy Lake and UW, yikes. Is this all on John Donovan? A lot of it, I think. Uh, I thought Lake was going to be a home run higher. Did, did anyone think he was going to be a home run higher? No. I didn't think so, but uh, still, yeah. whenever you do a coaching search that lasts like a minute, you're like, oh, he's the next guy. You're like, uh, you didn't really think about yeah, this. Yeah, my, my whole thing was, it might be fine. He said, still might be, but oy vey. David Shaw, please start Tanner McKee. He's going to. Uh, oh, yeah, Oregon's front seven is freaky good. Ten years down the road, might be an all-time group of future NFL stars. And he's got that, uh, what's the gif or whatever? The um, It's the guy like that's got, yeah, getting the, a fix. It's, it's the Dave Chappelle, um, Chappelle show thing with the, uh, you, got all, you all got any more of those? And then it's the... Whatever. And Whatever the thing, yeah. And so this is Mario Cristobal. Y'all got any more of those sewels? <laughs> uh, 
And he says this. So that was the the picture. Uh, the South's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I never lost faith in Chip Kelly's plan at UCLA. That offensive line is elite, in my opinion. Charbonnet looks like the second coming of Saquon Barkley. SC looked like a good team with typical week one issues. Clearly not uh, good enough, but compared to Helton's previous seasons, season openers, this was an improvement. That's actually true. Uh, this will be a very good to potentially elite defense, and the offense simply needs to get a little better each week. I can't wait for the SC-UCLA game. The offensive line versus SC's defensive line will be spectacular and chock full of future pros. It's about, yeah, when you watch some of the film breakdown, like people were just glo glowing, gushing, glushing, glowing and gushing over US UCLA's offensive line play and the execution of where, how they were able to uh, get out there on blocks, pulls and stuff, and then maintain those blocks. Yeah. Um, and they said, Zona showed fight and the other South teams handled business and didn't embarrass themselves. Can't wait to hear your recap. Keep up the work. Good work, guys. Uh, thanks it. for that one. That was from Matt. This is from Chris in Victoria, BC. The season is over for Husky fans. Uh, shame on Dave for almost selling me a sling subscription last episode. I was ready to press the button, but got distracted by something until after my grape and khaki-clad warriors fell to the mighty Grizz. The good news, I'm about to be approximately $300 richer, knowing that nothing but pain will emanate from a subscription to sling. So I'll be skipping this year. I am probably lying to myself. My question for you, fellas, is what should I do with my newfound treasure? I realize that thinking and effort are not in the spirit of the POC, so I will write in some options for you to choose from with a write-in option at the end. A, there is no choice. You will buy Sling and watch your stupid Huskies run up the stupid gut for one stupid yard for the next three stupid months. It is your duty as a Pac-12 fan as the UW takes the banner of doing less with more from UCLA. B, get Sling and jump on board the UCLA bandwagon. I hear the Bruins have a French guy who is good. C, dump that money into some crypto and watch it evaporate more effortlessly than watching Husky O-line zombies get abused by players that couldn't walk on at a Pac-12 school. <laughs> D, write in. Please help. What would you do with $300 in knowledge that you won't be watching your team in 2021? Thanks for the podcast, boys. Helps keep football entertaining, even with John Donovan's <laughs> sinking the Husky offense into the depths of the Puget Sound. Keep up the work and go dogs. Chris and Victoria. Nice, Chris. Oh, God, Chris. I am so sorry. Um, the reality is A. There's no choice? Yeah, that's the reality. Yeah. Your reality, unfortunately, Chris, is that you are probably going to watch this stupid team run up the gut. For Has something happened yard. with crypto? Did like crypto like... You only hear like, oh, Bitcoin's up a whole bunch, but like if it tanks, like I don't usually. I don't know it. where it is. I mean, where is the fake money it's these like, days? It's Let's millions see. of. Uh, the fake money is at forty six thousand dollars, a Bitcoin. Is that a lot? It's probably uh, it's, a lot. It's. I mean, it's a lot, but it's not where it was. Uh, uh, in like April, April was almost at sixty thousand. Oh wow! Okay. Or it was over sixty thousand. So that three hundred would have been like. 210 or something yeah. yeah but it's all fake i mean if you want to use it as like something to steal money from people go for it yeah all right chris uh sorry for your pain we do feel you uh hithla day genesis 41 i'll look it up 27 you, reading. you boys should be commended for providing a platform for multiple off-season discussions of washington's offensive line coach on this podcast your active engagement in, in insightful comments on the huskies offensive line development surely informed and emotionally prepared fans for the performance against Montana. All right, you want the you want the line? Yeah. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Okay. Is it... You get Old Testament on us. I'm I'm always intrigued. Yeah. There's a lot of thought that has to go into that. And yeah, yeah. I mean, we're... famine, not good. 
Seven years, not good. Yeah. We were an hour and a half in. It's hard to yeah, like. Yeah, no, I'm not deciphering, um, you know, ancient texts. Right. Uh, I went uh, went to the game at Autzen and watched the rest of Saturday's action at the bar. Good for you, Hitler Day. Which is fun, but doesn't give the full couch commander experience I'm sure you boys had. Uh, I know week one games always have their fair share of rust, but it seemed like across the country, I was seeing way more sloppiness than usual. Drop passes, uh, substitution errors, the sort of negative stuff that isn't forced by the opponent. Did you see that too? And if so, why should that be? I thought this was a, quote, get back to normal offseason. But do you think there's been a COVID hangover in preparation for this season too? I don't know. I I, I kind of saw the same thing. I thought it was a little bit sloppier than I was expecting um, for week one. Um, but I don't know if it was just the games I was watching. It's hard to, you know, it. yeah. It's like you got this routine. Last year, the routine was up. There's also some teams that were playing teams that played in the spring, right? Yeah. Like we saw that some. So teams that are, fre- you know, are you fresher because you hadn't played in a long time? But are you rustier? And if you played in the spring, you're sort of more used to the game stuff. Yeah. I, I, don't, I think probably a lot of factors. But it's also one week that you can't really judge too much off of. Agreed. This is from Danny. Um, keeping Helton. Uh, love the show. As a long-suffering Bruin, I'm somewhat at odds with USC's head coach. Naturally, I want, one, UCLA to do well, two, USC to do horribly, and three, keep Clay Helton. Question, is there a scenario where UCLA beats USC and UCLA wins the Pac-12 and Helton keeps his job? No. I don't I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah, I mean, unless USC, like, ran the table and was, like, 11-1, and one, and the only loss was to UCLA, and UCLA... Like goes twelve and zero and wins the Pac twelve South. Yeah, if they have like another game of the century, that'll be about it. Yeah, I. But to me, like Helton's got to, and I didn't think winning the South was enough. But actually, winning the South at this point might be harder than winning the conference. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say is the unbalanced schedule means that there is a, there's a live scenario where USC loses to UCLA but still does win the South, even with UCLA being very good. That that could happen because too. UCLA has to play Oregon and Washington. Well, but he wants, <laughs> but he wants the scenario where oh, but where UCLA wins the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't. I think that's going to be tough. Yeah, and like I said, unless USC, like that's their only loss, and UCLA goes undefeated, which you know you thought playing Washington was going to be a big deal. Don't think it will be now. But. Yeah. Also, recall my question a few weeks ago about UCLA moving from the Rose Bowl to SoFi Stadium. Do you think UCLA could have filled the SoFi Stadium without giving away free tickets? DC and LA. Probably. What is that? That's probably holds like sixty-five or seventy or something. Or I yeah, know. I think they could have filled it. Yeah, I mean it was sixty-eight at the. It looked like I mean night and day compared to the Hawaii game. Like it just looked. Well, and also I will make the argument: SoFi is more central to a lot of um, fans. Yeah, getting it's up for the way Rose, easier. Getting up for the Rose Bowl to. is kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, way easier to get to and stuff. Uh, Montana lost history. Oh, you know we had. I don't know if that we had a question too before this that uh, was like. USC gave out rings for their Elite Eight um, appearance. Mm-hmm. I have no basketball aficionado. I mean, I, I think you should get rings for a championship. Like rings, no, seem I think, like I think USC should hand out rings for like its best performance ever in the NCAA tournament. I think that's completely good. Is that good? Yeah, they've been around for um, you know what 120 years nice. playing college basketball. So it's I think it's really nice for them to celebrate their program's best accomplishment ever. Yeah. So Dave. Agrees. So there you go. I think they should absolutely celebrate their best accomplishment ever. And like, you know, like when they um, finish like top four in the Pac-12, hang a banner. That's 
Smart. I like. Okay, so yeah. Dave, Dave, Dave knows basketball, so I'm going to trust him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montana lost history. Last time Washington lost to Montana in 1920 uh, was at the end of a record-setting two-decade peak of Washington football, followed by 45 years of mediocrity. Yesterday's loss after Washington's worst two decades in history. Um, does Washington finally beat their own undefeated record and go on to be an undefeated powerhouse in the next 45 seasons? Sorry, Dave. Don't think it's going to happen? No. Not with Jimmy Lake as the head coach. No, no, no. You're going to need a new head coach, probably. Yeah, but they're going to get one. Yeah, probably. Like, probably sooner than we thought. Yeah. All right. uh, This is from Dizzy in Utah. Need to know. Question for week one homer, David David Woods. Chip Edward Kelly. Come on. Let's call the man by his real name. Charles. Charles Edward Kelly. Great UCLA coach or greatest UCLA coach? Um. So I think right now I think you're narrowing it too um too much. Uh greatest <laughs> greatest college football coach, right? He's up there, right? Look, the important thing to remember with Chip Kelly is when he is affiliated with Nike in some capacity. Dude is 48 and 7 mm-hmm. as a college coach. What about with the visor? With the visor is also 48 and 7. I don't yeah. think he ever wore anything but a visor at Oregon. Yeah. He wears a Nike visor. That dude is 48 and 7. I don't know what happened the last three years. Maybe nobody should ever wear Under Armour. <laughs> that lawsuit's still... I guess that they tried to get it thrown out. Yeah, you know what they didn't? They weren't able to do? What? Get it thrown out? No. Yeah. So you still might get some cash. From oh, that. they're going to get some cash, and they got a better apparel sponsor. Nice. Uh, okay, this is from our buddy um, John, and he says, Ryan and Dave, after week one, I'm writing to tell you I'm fully on board the UCLA bandwagon. He's a USC fan, by the way. Mm -hmm. I just have to be a passenger on this ride. I'm willing to put on a silly blue shirt to do it. I'm in, and I can't wait to follow, quote, Homer Dave all the way to the college football playoff. Seriously, who in the Pac-12 is going to beat this UCLA team? They have an identity on the offensive side of the ball, and that will travel well when they take it on the road. This is exactly what the Pac-12 needs, a team from Los Angeles stepping up to show that out West, they actually do play real football. Meanwhile, a few miles away, Mike Bone is discovering that if you drive a Chevy Cavalier, you can change the tires, get a new paint job, redo the interior, and even hang a little air freshener tree from the rearview mirror, but you're still driving a Chevy Cavalier. Is a 30-7 to win over San Jose State the perfect Clay Helton score to keep USC football fans in purgatory? Maybe the question this year is, will Clay Helton be able to survive losing to both Notre Dame and UCLA? Please tell me the answer is no. The answer is no. Go Bruins, A-clap or whatever, John and Brea. Then he said, he followed up, see, I can't even get on the bandwagon without stumbling. It's a sissy blue shirt, obviously, not a silly blue shirt, although it could be possibly be both. I need to get my act together if I'm going to do this properly. My sister went to UCLA. I have to ask her how to make sure I spell USC with a dollar sign and change the letters around, etc. I even listened to the last couple of episodes of the Brocast. It's a bit of a paradigm shift. I appreciate your patience, John. We love John. He's great. Uh, we, we, we welcome him with open arms to the UCLA bandwagon. <laughs> uh, I know there's a there's probably a, a strong subset of use of uh, LA area fans who will just like change shirts and move over um, if you know this has some legs to it. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. This is UCLA, so there's definitely a Charlie Brown and Lucy with the football type thing that's always going on. Um, we felt it a little bit in the uh, Jim Mora era. We'll see if this one's for real. This is making me. Extremely happy because there's a couple scenarios here. One, so to see David Woods this giddy about UCLA football, I don't know if it's been this way. 
since we've started the podcast. Like it's probably this has probably been peak David Woods optimism, especially uh-huh. coming off of the pessimism of like Chip Kelly's going to be fired. There's no way he's going to be around. I can't believe these writers are writing good things about uh-huh, UCLA. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So completely shifted. Now I don't. He, I don't remember saying any. Of now that. he's the greatest coach of all time. So either I get to enjoy this, which is fun uh, throughout the season. But more than likely, there's going to be uh-huh. a complete reversal of, oh my God, I was so wrong. They are garbage. They are awful, and th- that's going to be fun. Like either can- <laughs> way, either way, it's going to be a good time. <laughs> It'll be fun. All right, this is from uh, Zach. UCLA is back. Hey Ryan and Dave, what a difference it makes to have a, a team that's fun to root for. I almost forgot what that was like. Don't get me wrong, I love college football, whether UCLA is good or not. But my engagement level increases dramatically when my team is in the mix. With that said, now that UCLA appears to be back, I will restart my weekly edition of True or False. Okay. Please answer the following statements, true or false. UCLA fans just learned you may have to be patient with a coach and give him time to execute his vision. Should SUC, dollar sign SUC, uh, fans just give Clay the additional five to ten years he needs to execute his? True. <laughs> Absolutely. We just saw the model. We just saw it. And so has it taken a little bit longer for Clay? Maybe. Maybe. But the baseline of success is already higher. True. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. True. I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> this is David Shaw's last year on the farm. False. <laughs> True. Really? I think they're going to be so bad that even Stanford boosters are like taking notice and saying, no, 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 we can't do this. And maybe it's true that he's uh, it's his last year and he goes on to just do something else and resigns. But they're going to be so bad, dude. So bad. I think it's going to take a couple years of so bad. Like, I don't think one bad year. They're on their year three. Last year was such a deceptively bad. They were bad four and two, They buddy. were deceptively bad last year. Sith Lord, they were four and two. Oh, my God. You can't have uh, one bad year and get rid of whatever. Shaw. No way. Slovis has strong Jake Browning arm punt energy. Uh, he didn't have any arm punts in that one. Like I'm going to say false, but if you asked me this last year, I would have said true. Whatever yeah. was going on in them last year, he, he definitely last year did. Yeah, I would say false, but. Uh, Arizona wins more games than Stanford. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to go true. I'll go true as Just well. to upset. Yeah, so to, to, to upset uh, Zodiac Killer. Yeah. Uh, the winner of the big victory bell wins the Pac-12 South. I'll go true. I mean, I still think Utah can be really good. So I'm going to say. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm saying I think UCLA wins the Pac-12 South. So I'm going to go true because. Oh, okay. Uh. I don't think it's a guarantee. I'm going to say false. I think I think Arizona State and Utah are still going to have something to say in this, and it's it's not going to be like it's going to come down to that game. It's very likely that it's like a three way tie, or I mean, who knows? Sure. But the Pac-12 has the same twelve teams in 2024. True. True. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do anything else. All right, this is uh, from Brian. Oh no, this is from Hugh. Hugh Janus. Yep. He is Hugh Janus. Uh, Ryan and Dave. What a great weekend of football as UCLA completely dismantled LSU and should, and really should have won the game by three or four touchdowns. Going to make them short and sweet this week, fellas. Please agree or disagree with these statements. Okay, so he has six statements plus bonus and all that other stuff in here. As I've been trying to tell you, David Shaw is a crap coach who rode Jim Harbaugh's coattails for a few years. He really proved it this week when he kept alternating quarterbacks for absolutely no reason. Stanford is a mess. Um, Stanford is a mess. But David Shaw did a lot more than ride coattails. Well, it's a lot of statements there. Um, Sanford is a mess. True. The rest of it, 
he's not a crap coach. Yeah. Or he wasn't. Uh, it might be now. I, I think know. he is now, yeah. And we know, I mean, he's made those kind of bad mistakes. Like, he's very, he's not going to, if you tell him, like, literally, if you want, if I was a Cal fan, okay, or, I mean, I guess you could do it as any Pac-12 fan that wasn't Stanford, and you so watch. So you're, you're even, okay, so I'm trying to put myself in that headspace. So you're even more obnoxious than a USC fan. Is that Cal fans or yes. more? Okay. Do you remember how bad they were when they were actually good for like the first time ever? Yeah, that's kind of bad. Um, but here's what you do if you're an anti-Stanford fan. Go, you go watch fall practice or something. I don't know. You probably can't there. Uh, and they have a clear number one quarterback. Like it's like this guy's the best. Make sure everyone you know tells David Shaw that the guy's the best. You should start him because he will not start him because yeah. he doesn't want to be told what to do. Right. So, yeah. Uh, that, I think that would be smart for everyone to do. And maybe Agreed. that's what they said, you know. Tanner McKee, he's going to be awesome. He's the number the top recruit. Blah blah blah. No, nope, nope not going no, that we're way. Going, we're going. We, I was talking with RJ in practice yesterday about like all the, like remember the KJ Costello thing, yeah, yeah. Keller Chris. Like there were just so many like that the Oregon State game they won by a point, <laughs> and they the, even the halftime reporter had, like asked like you're going to play the other guy at halftime, right? right? And he's like, uh, we'll see. Didn't you know? And they win by a point, and then he said famously said, "I'm not going to apologize for winning the game." Like. Yeah, dude, like, yeah. It's unbelievable. Uh, the Fresno State matchup is going to be a tough game for UCLA, maybe even tougher than LSU. Having a bye week for UCLA is a uh, will be a big advantage. Without it, this game could have been a nail-biter. More or less agree. Uh, I mean... I think Fresno State's well-coached in a way yes. that LSU was not, um, and I think they've got decent enough talent to give it, make it a game. But LSU's not, like... Super talent. A lot of talent. Yeah. Pac-12 North was an embarrassment to the conference last week. No uh, question. Yeah, duh. Uh, the Pac-12 South will cannibalize itself and end up with a two-loss champion, probably UCLA USC. I think that's very likely. Yeah, seven and two winning this division. Yeah, yeah. That's why I think it's not necessarily going to come down to that USC UCLA game. Uh, there will be no Pac-12 team in the playoff. Very true. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Pains David to say it's not going to be UCLA. They could. I mean, but the. When we talk about this every year, so this week's a big one, right? For the whole Pac-12, you know, if if Washington loses to Montana and beats Michigan, that actually probably helps the conference, you know, as far as, like, comparing it to other Power Fives. Oregon's got to beat, you know, Ohio State. But UCLA's win over LSU. If LSU ends up being good and beats a whole bunch of SEC teams and they go 11-1, and one, I think you got a chance, you know? Oh, so. If you, okay, so if the question is whether if UCLA has an 11-1 and one season, whether they would make the playoff, they absolutely will make the playoff. If they go 11-1 and one and then win the conference, 12-1, and one, they're making the playoff. The question is, like, it's not the kind of situation where 10-2 and two UCLA goes 11-2, and two, wins the conference, that they're going to make the playoff. Right, yeah. Um, the good thing is the ACC basically eliminated itself already. So that's good that there's no, like, Clemson automatically. Clemson in. still could because they've lost to a top-five Georgia. But they lost to Georgia, and it's sort of almost like an elimination thing. It's know? not really because if Clemson now runs the table, uh, their their schedule's bad too, though. I yes. mean, they play the ACC, and Georgia was the one non-conference game they had. But, I, I, I mean, we're talking pie-in-the-sky stuff because, I mean, UCLA's schedule is pretty tough in conference. Um, but the door of possibility is open for UCLA. Yeah. Um, just – question whether they can basically get a lot of luck on their side and actually run the table more or less yeah i mean there's the teams that haven't lost yet in the pac-12 you know probably outside of colorado i think they all would have a shot but they'd have to you know yeah pretty much run the table uh arizona state might be tough because that conference that arizona state i think is the one where even getting one loss tagged on them might be 
close to a deal breaker because of how bad their right. conference was. But like if USC's only losses in Notre Dame and they're a playoff contender, then you're yeah. kind of screwed there too. But David Woods is ready to quote, see the light that Chip Kelly is an excellent coach and will now get on the chip bandwagon in spite of his distaste for Chip's recruiting strategy. Um, yes. Did you never complain about his recruiting strategy? No, no, I, I've never had a problem with his roster management or his recruiting whatsoever. Um, I think don't he, listen to any old shows. I, I think he's been great about acquiring talent. I think he's shown a commitment to it throughout. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's, you know, I really applaud him for just sticking to his plan um, and not listening to all those haters talking about why did you have to cut the entire roster? What are you NFL chip? Uh, why is this team so bad? God, it doesn't look like they try hard in recruiting. Like all those haters, I didn't really understand why they were saying that throughout the last few years. Um, mm. And frankly, it's just a testament to the man that he stuck with his plan. You were just mimicking them, just to. Like, I wouldn't say I ironically. Them. I you were saying it ironically. I, yeah, yeah, it was all. <laughs> it was sarca- It was deeply sarcastic. I was actually. It was a commentary on the criticisms themselves. Oh, gotcha. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Uh, bonus question: If you ha- have time, we don't, but we'll do it anyway. Please tell us which Pac-12 mascots would win in a fight. We got to do this quick. South, Joe Bruin versus Ralphie. 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 Uh, Tommy Trojan versus Sparky. Uh, Sparky. Sparky. Swoop, the Utah Hawk versus Wilbur, the Wildcat. Wildcat. Yeah. Uh, the Tree versus uh, the the thing from Cal. Was it Oski? What's yeah. It? Uh, Oski. They Oski. can climb the tree. Uh, okay. And then so the thing from Cal. Duck versus Benny the Beaver. Beaver. Yeah. And then Butch the Cougar from Wazoo versus Harry the Husky. Got to go Husky there. Not a Cougar, dude. Like. Dog. Cougar would eat the husky in half. Dogs just... beat the shit out of cats. <laughs> Hells no. Uh, hugs and kisses, huge anus. Uh, this is from Dev. Last question. Uh, Pac-12 North. Everyone was talking about the Pac-12 North looked really bad in week one. But what if, and hear me out, Montana, Nevada, Kansas State, Utah State, and Purdue are all dark horse playoff contenders? How come no one is talking about that scenario? It's a great question. Absolutely great it's question. It's a great one. Uh, is that a real name? Like, the the name in the email looks like it would be like a just forgot to enter your name kind of thing like null like null is in the name like, uh-huh. like didn't put a name yeah I don't know maybe who knows uh didn't sign it but that's a good question though I like it love the question uh okay well I gotta go like do some humanitarian stuff yeah you know? I've got to go uh, talk to some UCLA players via Zoom ooh nice uh okay well that's gonna wrap things up man we almost went like an hour and fifty minutes damn. Did a lot. Well, that's the uh, show this week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. For David Woods, I am Ryan Abraham. We're the Podcast of Champions. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.